Well, this is the time of the year we call Thanksgiving. And I heard this week, if I'm not mistaken, that the United States and Canada are the only countries that celebrate the holiday called Thanksgiving. And I think it's great that we've set aside a time in our country to thank God for all He has done for us. You know, as I read God's Word, I truly believe, listen, friend, I believe that thankfulness or an attitude of gratitude is very important to the fullest experience of life. Did you hear that? Thankfulness or gratitude is very important to the fullest experience of life. And I believe also as you look at God's Word, it is very indicative of a person who has really learned a lot about living life God's way. But for many of us, being thankful is a choice, isn't it? Life can be very hard sometimes. Every week as a pastor, I talk to people about the extreme struggles that we have in our lives, that I have, that you have, that we are sinners and we've messed up and sin's brought pain and heartache in our lives and and other people are sinners and they've messed up and their choices have brought pain and heartache in our lives. And many of us are facing things that if we shared them today, we would almost feel like are just unbearable. We struggle with things, don't we? We have hard things to deal with. So how could we possibly be thankful in life with all of that going on? Well, today I want to talk to you about thanking God when times are tough. It might seem impossible. It might seem kind of crazy. But according to God's word, we can be thankful even in the midst of tough times. And actually, as we experience life and as we read God's word and as we watch other people live life, we're going to have to find out how to be thankful in the midst of difficulty because I've yet to find a place in my life that didn't have difficulty. Amen? So if I can't be thankful in the midst of difficulty, I don't know if I'll ever be able to be grateful in my life. So let's think about that this morning. And I want to read, first of all, from James chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18. But I want to start by reading verse 17 because it really sets the tone for what we're talking about this morning. Verse 17 says this. It says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That verse tells us that we can be sure that God has given us good things. In fact, that actually tells us that every good thing in my life, everything that I would would identify as a blessing or something right in my life, in fact, he says there, every perfect gift, that means every complete gift, everything that's right in my life. There are so many things that aren't right, but the things that are right... I can have confidence, that complete confidence, that those were given to me by a God who loves me. And He wanted to give me good gifts. And I don't have to worry about Him. I don't have to wonder about Him. We're going to see that more here in just a moment. But it says, it hints at that in these verses. Unlike the heavenly, the celestial bodies that we look at that God created, they change their positions or they change uh, you know, how we look at them or they change their, their direction. All those different things vary. Their images, all those things can change and vary, but God does not change like those things. He remains constant. And this great God, James tells us, has given us some great blessings. But I also want you to understand the context in which that verse is written. Because it might sound nicey-nicey, goody-goody, you know, smiley-smiley, come to church, pretend like everything's great. But this verse is not found in that kind of context. This verse is found in a context where God, all throughout chapter 1 of James, tells us that He knows the challenges we face. And He gives us reasons throughout these verses 
for while we can be thankful even in spite of those difficulties. And the first one is found in verses 1 through 4. The first one, the first reason we can thank God in the midst of difficulty is you can thank God that you are growing. He <laughs> said, oh, okay, it is one of those nicey-nicey messages. Here I am in the midst of problems in my life. Things are going kind of tough, and I'm just supposed to say, oh, well, at least it's making me a better person, right? That's what I'm supposed to say about this. Well, I wouldn't be flipping about it if that was my life, and I certainly wouldn't be flipping about something difficult in your life. I wouldn't just say, oh, don't worry, be happy, you're growing. Uh, just see it as, as making you a better person. But I want us to understand that God does teach that, in fact, in difficulty, we can be thankful for this reason. Difficulties do bring about growth and strength in our lives. Now, we've got to understand the context of what we're looking at here. This is written by many, most believe, by James, the half-brother of Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, one of the sons of Mary and Joseph. And James was a key leader among the Christians. In fact, he was uh, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And we find indicators in his letter that James was writing to Jewish believers in Christ. They were Jewish people who had uh, uh, grown up with the Jewish faith, but had realized that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that God had promised. They had put their faith and trust in Christ. And in some sense, James is recognizing challenges, extreme challenges in these people's lives. Number one, well, he hints at it here. He says to the 12 tribes, obviously he's alluding to the Israelites there to the Jewish people, but he says the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Now, he's, he's hinting at the fact that the Jewish people have always had persecution. The dispersion was the word that uh, the, uh, the, the Jewish people used to talk about the times in their life when God had brought judgment, and they had been scattered all over the world, and their people had been broken up, and their nation had been spread out. And so it alludes to the fact that, that they as Jewish people had always had difficulty, had always had challenges, had always had struggles. But now as Christians, as Jewish Christians, they were especially beginning to face persecution. Many of them had been ran out of town. Many of them had lost their jobs. Many of them had lost their homes. And so that's the kind of people that James is talking to. Because they had trusted in Christ, they had been hurting. They had been struggling. They had going through, been going through difficulty as a result of following Jesus. Now to those people, the Lord says through James, now listen to this. People who lost their home, who lost their job because they were Christians. He says this nicey-nicey verse. You ready? It says in verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Oh, that's the verse I wanted to hear, isn't it? Oh, just, you know, smile and be happy and grin and bear. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. But verse 3 says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The Bible says that we can consider it, we can reckon it or count it, or, or we can think about it this way. We can see struggles in our life. We can have, the, the way it's put here, it means completely joy in our lives. Anybody there yet? <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet, but at least I know it's possible. Obviously, it sounds crazy to us, but he tells us why we could do that. This is not just pretend. This is possible for us. And he says the reason you can do that in verse 3 is that you know that the testing of your faith, when you go through difficulties, when you go through struggles in your life, the Bible says we can know that the testing of our faith, like, us, like a metal going through the fire, 
and that, and that metal is proved or that metal is tried or that metal is tested and the impurities and the imperfections come up and are scraped off and now that metal is stronger and better. Just like that, when we go through trials, we know that the trying of our faith produces endurance. Some of your translations say patience. Endurance, perseverance, patience. It means longevity. It means lasting power. It means stick to itness. Is that a word? I'm going to make it up. Okay, it fits. In a world where I believe, listen, friend, I believe way too many people give up way too soon. The Bible challenges us that we can grow into stronger people who make it. And when we continue to persevere, when we continue to press on in the midst of difficult circumstances, we get stronger. In fact, it says that endurance, that perseverance has an end result. And that result is this, that you may be perfect, or that just means mature and complete, lacking in nothing. That means we can get to a point in our lives we're moving towards as we go through trials and we let God work in our lives through those trials. We're working closer and closer towards being the person that God wants us to be. Now, I realize that everything in us wants to repel the notion that trying times could in any way be helpful to us. And I don't pretend to understand it all, and I'm not trying to give easy answers, but I want to ask you this question. If you were honest, would you have to say that some of the closest times you've ever been in your life to Jesus Christ have been some of the most difficult times in your life? I mean, I hate to admit it, but that's true, isn't it? Some of the times when I have prayed the hardest, when I have uh, been in His Word the most, have been times when I've been so desperate, I knew that I needed the Lord. I couldn't even fake it anymore. I knew that it was out of my control. And God, I need you to come through for me. And I leaned upon Him more than any other time in my life. And many times during those times, I've learned more about what He did for me. Amen? Because you know what? When you go through difficult times, Philippians 3 says we have a fellowship in His sufferings. We get a taste of what He paid for. He didn't pay for something like you're going through. He paid for what you are going through. Exactly what you're going through has been dealt with on that cross. He paid for that. And you begin to say, Lord Jesus, this hurts so bad. But I realize now a little bit more about what you gave for me on that cross. We grow during tough times. We may not like it, but the Bible says it's a fact. And for that, we can thank God, can't we? But number two, thank God you are guided. In verses 5 through 8, he tells us, he says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Isn't that exciting? It will be given to him. It will. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. That verse has always just hit me between the eyes like a two-by-four. Listen, if you don't believe me, don't expect anything to happen. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. One of the toughest things when we're going through struggles is that we often don't know what. We don't know what to do. We feel helpless. 
We feel blindsided or caught off guard. We've never quite been in that situation before, and we just don't know what to do. And the Bible says there's good news. In verse 5, it says, listen, you've got guidance in tough times. You can thank God that, hey, is anybody signing up for difficulty? Anybody want to go down that path? Absolutely not. I'm not looking for it, but I can thank God in the midst of it. It doesn't have to be wasted. It doesn't have to seem haphazard or, or fruitless. There can be some benefit. And one of the benefits is that I learn that I can trust God. He will give me the answers if I will turn to him. He says, if you lack wisdom, if you don't know what to do in the midst of that circumstance, you can ask God about it. And God promises to give you what you need to get through it. Now, I know that some of us aren't very comfortable with that thing called prayer yet. But I want you to know, and maybe the reason we're not is because we've struggled with asking people for help. Because you ever ask anybody for help and they kind of made you sorry that you asked them in the first place? Okay, well, sometimes we project our experiences with people onto God, and we wonder, how's God going to feel? Maybe he's going to say, hey, you're supposed to be a big boy. You know, you're supposed to know some things. You've, you've, you've known about me. You've learned some things. You're supposed to be a little more grown up than that. Maybe God's going to kind of, you know, fuss at me about this. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says God's not going to yell at you. He's not going to tell you how inept you are for not knowing. You know why? Because there's a reason he's called the Savior. Amen? He knows that we need rescuing. He knows we need help. He's not surprised by it. He's expecting it. In fact, it, if anything, when we come to him, he's just saying, I was wondering when you were going to figure out that you needed me. He's not saying, why can't you do it on your own? He's saying, don't even try to do it on your own. In fact, the Bible tells us he's not even just going to throw us a bone and say, hey, uh, all right, here's a little bit. Is that, is that what it says? No, we just read in 2 Corinthians 9, does God give barely enough? God gives more than enough he gives to all generously and without reproach if you ask him it says it will be given to you you can trust by faith if you don't know what to do and you ask god that god will somehow give you the answer the only requirement is this you say oh i knew there's going to be a catch well it's really no catch it's just fact it's just reality if i offer you a gift and you won't receive it there's not much i can do right I've already paid for it. I want to give it to you. It's already available, but I'm not going to force that upon you. It's a gift I want to give to you. Well, God wants to give us these gifts. He wants to give us these blessings, but he tells us if that's going to be able to happen, you've got to trust me. That's the hard part for us, isn't it? Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, you know, I tried God and that didn't work. As if there's like a top 50 list of things that we can try. And God's like number 32, 33, you know, and I'll try this one, I'll try this one, well, I'll try this one. The Bible says it doesn't work like that. You know what God is looking for? God is looking for us to get so desperate that we realize that we can't do it without Him. We finally admit and confess, God, okay, I give up. I'm not defending myself anymore. I'm not pretending anymore. I just know I can't do it without you. I call upon you. I trust in you. I have no other answers. I have no other options. I know I need you. Please come and save me. God is looking for people like that. God's not looking for people to dabble with him or just to try him out. God's looking for people who will dare to believe that God will do what he says he will do. The Bible says, if you will trust me, then I will do it. If you don't trust me, then you're right. You say, well, I'm going to ask God, but it probably won't work. The Lord says, well, you're right. <laughs> it won't. And let not that man think that he'll expect anything from the Lord. I want to ask you a question. Are you truly trusting in Jesus Christ? Are you? 
I know theoretically you say, I'm a Christian, Robbie. Okay, yeah, I know all that. But I mean, are you really trusting Jesus? Are you clinging to him? Are you saying, God, if you don't come through, this is not going to happen? If that's what you're saying, the Bible says you will get your answer. God does guide our lives if we trust him. You know, you've got a couple of options when you go through difficulty. You can either give up, which as far as I'm concerned is not an option. That means the enemy wins, right? We're not giving up. We're persevering. You can do your own thing, which how's that worked before? Okay. You can do somebody else's thing. Well, I'm certainly not going to do that because I know more about my life than they do. So if my way doesn't work, I'm sure not trusting their way. So that's not going to work. So my last option is really the best option, isn't it? God's way. Have you tried that? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Have you given your life to Him? Friend, maybe you've done that, but, but you know what? You're not really walking with Him on a daily basis. You're not giving Him the real practical issues of your life. God, I need help. I don't know how to be the husband you want me to be. I don't know how to be the mom you want me to be. God, please help me to know how to direct these children's lives. God, please help me. I don't know which job to choose. It seems like this one's fine or this one's fine. God, I don't, I don't know how to make these decisions. Would you please help me? If you trust in Him, He will help you. Thank God you're guided, but number three, thank God... You are grounded. I am so grateful for this. Verses 9 through 11, thank God you are grounded. Now, as soon as I say that, some of the young people are like, thank God you're grounded. I've never thanked God that I'm grounded. Well, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? So hold on just a second. Let's read verses 9 through 11. Verse 9 says, but the brother of humble circumstances, now you're talking about grounded. No, listen, hold on. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. You know, so many times in this world, our feelings or our lives, how we feel about our lives, are dictated by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But you know what the Bible tells us over and over again? You do not have to live your life based upon your circumstances. The Bible describes the world, us without God. When we're living without God, the Bible describes Isaiah chapter 57. Look at verses 19 through 21. There's a comparison there between God's people and people who don't trust in God. God's people are described as people of peace. That was the Jewish word shalom. The word peace meant stability. It meant stableness or, or settledness, not settled in the sense of... Uh, of static, of not going anywhere, but, but groundedness, levelness, having some solidness about your life. But it says about people who don't trust in God that their lives are like the ocean, tossed about, just a churning happening. Isn't that our lives without Jesus Christ? Before I put my trust in Him, wasn't my life a mess? Wasn't it tossed about, try this, no, that doesn't work, try this, no, that doesn't work, and, and it's not even that easy or that neutral. It's try this, and that not only didn't work, but it hurt, didn't it? That's the description of our lives without God. We're just tossed about. But the Bible says we can have a solid foundation that's available for our lives, and that is putting our trust in Christ. We can be grounded. And he describes that. He says, but the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. Now, what is he talking about? If you're a person who has little in the way of material possessions. The temptation is to think that life is hard because you don't have much. 
And God's Word says, no, don't feel bad that you don't have much. I mean, now again, I mean, the fact is we know we need our needs met and the Bible clearly teaches we can trust God to meet our needs. But in the sense of wishing that we had more, the Bible says, you know what? Don't let that be something that you feel like is, is necessarily a bad thing. In fact, you can thank God that because you're in the position that you're in, he says, let the, let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. Now, what is he talking about there? When I don't have much in terms of this world's goods and uh, the stuff of this world, what does that cause me to do? That causes me to trust God more, doesn't it? I'm in a better position to trust God. I can't even fake that I'm doing all right or I'm all set. I know that if God doesn't come through, we're not going to pay the bills this month, right? Let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. He's not trusting in riches because he doesn't have any, right? (laughs) And also, the Bible promises that God has a special place in his heart for those who are in that circumstance. The Bible over and over screams out to us that God has a heart for the poor, for widows, for orphans. And so he says, let the brother who doesn't have much uh, praise God that he's in a special position that God is paying attention to his life. And if he trusts in God, God will continue to meet his needs. He's not going to trust in the things of this world because he doesn't have them. But then he talks about the guy that has a lot. He says, if you're a person with a lot of things, he says, um, and the rich man, well, that guy, he should glory in his humiliation. And what's he talking about? Well, let's say some of these people are pretty well off. And remember we said they were going through persecution. They were going through difficult times. Some of them might have lost some very lucrative jobs. Or maybe they had lost some very nice homes that they had worked hard for. Or maybe they had lost their, I don't know if they had 401Ks. Is there any ancient evidence of 401Ks? I, I doubt it. But, but you, you know, maybe they had lost some things that they had built up over time. They were very well off. They were very affluent and wealthy. He says, listen, that person, when they go through tough times, and maybe they lose some of that wealth that they had, that person shouldn't feel, feel bad that they lost some of their material possessions. you know why? Because God is reminding them of how quickly the things of this world pass away. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with having a lot of stuff. If God has blessed you with a lot of things, and probably that means He knows that you can use it wisely and you can use it for His glory, but if God has blessed you with a lot of things, it's not that those things are wrong, but the temptation is for us to begin putting our trust in those things. And God says, listen, if you don't have much, praise God, because you know you're going to have to depend upon God. If you do have a lot, praise God, because sometimes when you lose a little bit of that, God just reminds you, you know what? It's going to pass away one day. It's all going to be burned one day anyway. You see, God's trying to tell us, God's people, we don't get too high and we don't get too low. We don't let the circumstances of this world define who we are. Aren't you thankful? that you don't have to live life like you used to for so long? If you have a little, aren't you grateful that you don't have to try hard to to satisfy in your heart what you think is my share of this world? You You don't have to work up to any certain position. If you have a lot, aren't you glad that you don't have to try so hard to keep it and to get more? Isn't that what this world is like? If we don't have it, we're wishing we did. If we do have it, we're hoping we can hang on to it and get a little more. Isn't that exactly what happens? And God says his people don't have to live like that. I thank God that I can be grounded. I can be secure in Christ, not in my circumstances. But number four, he says, thank God you're growing. Thank God he guides your life. Thank God you've got a levelness, a security about your life, not based on circumstances. You're grounded. But number four, thank God you're guaranteed in verse 12. Thank God you're guaranteed. You know, sometimes we go through things in life 
that are so hard, aren't they? And I tell you, as I was praying about this this week, I just, I just a pit got in my stomach as I was thinking about some of the things that I know some of you are dealing with. And then as I thought about some of the things that I don't even know about that you're dealing with, and I thought about some of the things in my life that I've dealt with or that I'm dealing with. And so as I think about that, I, I tried very carefully as we uh, consider the message today not to give those just those little easy Sunday school answers. But I do want to give you God's word. And friend, today, if you are here going through a tough time, if you can open up your heart to God's answers in the midst of your struggle, what we find in verse 12 is an amazing promise to us. Verse 12 says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. This is a strong verse. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, here's what this verse tells us. Listen up. When you go through something challenging and you decide, okay, I see it. We've got something to go through here. And you decide that this time I am not going to back away from God. I'm not going to quit coming to church. I'm not going to quit seeking God in my personal time with Him. I'm not going to quit trying to honor Him with my life. This time, though it's hard, I'm going to trust God all the way through this. I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm not going to back away. When you decide to do that, that you're going to get through that with God and that you're going to honor God through it every step of the way, when you finally do get through that trial and you've honored God through it, the Bible, the way that indicates that, he says, uh, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved. That was a word that means once you have passed the test. It was a word that referred to uh, what they would do is they would take coins and they would try to decide, is this coin a real coin or is it a counterfeit? Now, now, now grab that picture. Once you have been proven that you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, there's something about going through trials and the way we respond to them that helps to give indicators that we are a follower of Christ because we trust Him through anything, don't we? Not just the good things, but even the hard things. Once you have stood the test, once you have shown yourself to be a follower of Christ, no matter what, I'm the real deal. I'm following Jesus, no matter where that takes me. When that happens, the Bible says, you will receive the crown of life. Now, what's that talking about? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. There's a lot of crowns that are discussed in the Bible. This is the one, this was the victor's crown, the one that they used in the Olympics. It's saying once you get through that, once you've won the victory, you've gone through that battle, you'll get the victor's crown of life. I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about there, but I think we can get pretty close to it. So stay with me. I really believe this could change your life especially if you're going through a struggle. I believe the sense of this is this. When you go through tough times and you walk with God through that difficulty, God promises you, He guarantees you that you will receive a crown of life. And I believe that probably means that you will enjoy the experience of eternal life, of a relationship with God in ways that you would have never known had you not gone through that experience, and also had you not honored Him through that experience. Now you know things about life. Now you know things about what Christ has done for you and what life is really all about that you could not have experienced otherwise. 
I believe that's pretty close to what he's talking about. Now, does that mean we get that at the end of life? It's possible. Does that mean we get it at the end of a, a tough situation in our life? Each time we go through a situation like that, especially a, one of the most challenging situations, I'm not sure. I think it could possibly be both. But the, but the sense of it is what we've just described. I believe that what Christ does is he blesses us with a special sense of life and what it's all about that we would have never experienced had we not gone through that and honored him through it. I don't know about you, but that helps me. Like I said, I'm not signing up for struggles. I'm not volunteering. Hey, who wants, to, who wants to go through something hard this week? No, I'm not looking for it. But if we're going through it, we may as well get something good out of it. Amen? And the Bible teaches us, I believe, that it's possible for me to grow in my understanding of Jesus Christ and my relationship with Him in ways that I would have never experienced Him before if I follow Him through the trial. We don't like problems. We don't look for them. But when they come, what we're talking about could help you have a joy. Listen, can you get a taste of it? You may not be there yet, but based on what we're talking about, can you see how it's possible that you could have joy in the midst of a trial? I mean, it seems kind of dumb, doesn't it? I'll admit, and, and I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. But when you're going through a difficulty, I can actually joyfully and confidently expect that I'm going to be not just getting through this, but overwhelmingly a conqueror, as Romans 8 says, through Christ who loves me. Isn't that exciting? You know, I've learned even concerning spiritual warfare. Sometimes, you know, when you're in ministry and you're serving the Lord, I've, I've sensed it more of being a pastor than any, any time in my life. And, you know, sometimes that, that used to kind of intimidate me. I sensed that the enemy was working or that he was trying to discourage or distract or destroy God's work. But you know what? I'm still not naive about that. I realize when the enemy's working that we need to perk up and pay attention. But you know what? Actually, it gets me excited now because I know if the enemy is so concerned about what we're doing that he's trying to turn us away from that or mess that up, I know God has something awesome that I may not see, but the enemy recognizes God is at work. Do you see that, friend? So we're not looking for the battle. We're not looking for the struggle. But hey, when it comes, thank God. God has promised to get me through this. And God has promised that I will experience things that I would have never experienced had I not gone through this and honored him through it. Well, the final thing, number five, is we can thank God you are guarded. Thank God you're protected, especially in light of what I just shared in verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Now, before we go on further there, many times when we're in the midst of trials or struggles, it turns from just being a challenging situation to a time that, that, that draws us, maybe or tempts us to turn away from God. Didn't we talk about that a little bit earlier? Many times, okay, here's a challenge, but now I feel this pulling to back away from God. He says, listen, when that happens, you don't need to have any question in your mind about God. Let no one say when he's tempted... I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. God's purpose, friend, is not to play games with you. God's purpose is not to throw out opportunities to do... Pay attention. God's, God's purpose is not to throw out opportunities for you to do bad and see if you'll win the test, win the game. That's not what God wants to do in our lives. Can't we be thankful for that? God is most definitely not playing games with us. He's not trying to trip us up to get us to mess up. He doesn't want to hurt us. And he doesn't want to put opportunities before us that would hurt us. 
But in verse 13, the Bible makes it very clear that evil or wrongdoing is not in the least attractive to God. God is not even slightly impressed with sin. And He doesn't use it to do His work in us. He doesn't try to do that or to see what we'll do. Uh, 1 John 1 verse 5 says, In God, in Him, there is no darkness whatsoever. I mean, there's just not even the slightest pinch of darkness. Didn't we say that in verse 17? There's no variation. There's no shifting shadows. The idea there is God is the same. He is perfect. He is holy. He is right. He is true. There is nothing impure in Him. Romans 6 verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. God does not lead us down a path that would take us to death. Isn't that encouraging? Some people wonder about God's character and His nature. Is He just playing with us? He's just in, up in heaven? We're just pawns on a, on a board and He's playing a board game? And just having fun with us? That is most definitely not what is happening. In fact, He exposes for us the biggest key, or one of the biggest keys for temptation, verses 14 through 16. But each one is tempted, not because of God, but when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust, his own desires. There's a good way to translate that, his own passions. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. The reason that the struggles that we face sometimes turn into temptation to sin is not because God is trying to get us to slip up. Here's what happens. We're going through a tough time, and the enemy many times tries to make us take a shortcut solution. He tries to, to take us a different route than the way God's wanting us to get through this. Now, can we control whether the enemy brings temptation along? No, we can't control that, except maybe through the power of prayer, asking for God's protection. But we can't ultimately control whether, the, whether we're presented with temptations. But we can control, now here's, this is powerful, because you don't have to feel weak. You don't have to feel uh, out of control. You can feel a sense of empowerment here. We can control whether temptation is attractive to us or not. Okay, so let's give a real example. You're on a diet. Is that a trial? <laughs> yeah, that's a struggle. It could ultimately end up in some good, right? I mean, that was the purpose. You're on a diet. You're going through a struggle, and somebody brings out some homemade chocolate ice cream. Man, just this one day, it's just Thanksgiving, only comes one day a year, right? <laughs> That's temptation. The diet was a struggle. It was something I wanted to go through. I was supposed to go through. Now there's this temptation. But you know what? Anybody here not like chocolate? Anybody? There's some people. Okay. All right. If we brought out homemade chocolate ice cream, would you guys be like, oh, I got to have some of that? Would you? Yeah. You would? Okay. But you like it. You would just to be nice? Okay, all right. But Kira says, I'm not eating it, right? Because it doesn't tempt me at all. Listen, there's a powerful point in this. Jesus says, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own desires, his own lust. If the enemy brings something across your path and it's something that you don't desire, it has no power over you. Amen. And so I don't have to worry about staying away from temptation as much as I need to worry about the desires of my heart. And so the, the closer I stay to Jesus, the more in line I get with Him, the more I want what He wants, then the less ammunition the enemy is going to be able to have in my life. God protects me. He guards me. He helps me from getting drawn away into those things. He's not trying to trip us up. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's trying to help us. He's trying to give us life-giving solutions. 
not the easy answers of destruction that the enemy brings along. A man was once asked, what's your favorite Bible verse? He said, I like the part that says, and it came to pass. And they're like, and it came to pass? What do you mean it came to pass? He says, well, when I'm going through a tough time in my life, I just think to myself, thank you, Lord, it came to pass. Amen? It's going to be gone. It's not going to last forever. I don't think there are many of us that enjoy tough times, do we? But we can thank God. We're not looking for it. We're not asking for it. We're not signing up for it today. But the Bible just promises, in the world, you will have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. We don't have to be afraid. We can thank God. Thank God. Lord, I don't like what I'm going through, but thank God it's not wasted. Amen? Thank God that it is possible. I don't want this problem, but it is possible for God to do something in my life to help me to grow stronger through this. Thank God I'm not alone. God, I don't know what to do through this, but I don't have to worry about that because God promises to give me guidance and wisdom as I walk through it. Thank God I don't have to be shaken by the circumstances of life. I'm grounded in life. Isn't that a great feeling? It's not a proud feeling. It's not an arrogant feeling. It's just a confidence, a humble confidence, I would say, of God, thank you. That though the, the world just seems to be out of hand, doesn't it? More and more. I mean, I don't, uh, you hear many times people make the comment, I don't know what people do without God. And I agree. I don't know what we would do without God because this world is so unstable. But I don't have to let the circumstances, or we need to be aware of the events and circumstances, but I don't have to let those control me. I can be grounded in Jesus Christ. Thank God that God sees the struggle and he guarantees me, Robbie, if you trust me through this, I guarantee you a blessing, an experience of a walk with me, that you've never known before. And thank God that I can know it's not an attack from God. God is not out to get you. He guards you. He protects you. He warns you. He wants to help you. Would you thank God for all that today? I don't know if I can thank God for the struggle, but I can thank God for the things that He does through the struggle. I'm not there yet, but that's where I want to be. Is that you today? God, I'm going through something tough today. Thank you for, would you say thank you for helping me? Thank you, God, for giving me perspective today. Thank you for showing me in your word that, that what I'm going through is normal, that other people have gone through this, that there's hope, that there's answers for me, that you've given me something to cling to. Would you thank God for that Christian friend today? God, you knew what I needed today, didn't you? You knew the message I needed to hear, and you gave it to me. You know what's the best way you can thank God today? Is by putting your heart in your life, in His hands today. Friend, I don't know what people do without God. I don't know how to live life without God. I would be scared to death. You'd have to lock me up somewhere if I didn't have the Lord because this world is so unstable. And the experiences of my life and everything that's going on around us, I don't have any answers apart from God and His hope. Friend, today, if that's you, if you feel like you're just flailing around through life, if you need to grab hold of something, He's not a crutch, He's an anchor, Amen. He is the foundation upon which to build our lives. And you need Him today. There's no, there's no uh, uh, dishonor in doing that today. There's no, God doesn't give out any badges at the end of life for good for you, you made it without me. No, He knows that we need Him. So quit fighting against that and just trust in Him today. You can do that today. That's why I died on that cross. He paid the price for all that you're struggling not for something like it. He paid for what you're going through 
on that cross, why don't you quit trying to pay for it? And why don't you just give it to Him? Why don't you call out to Him and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to be my Savior. I don't want to do things my way anymore. I want to put my trust in you today. Whatever you need to do, would you do that right now if God's speaking to you? Let's pray together. As we bow before the Lord, just <clears throat> I want you just to search your heart and ask God, God, why am I here today? Why did you give me this message today? I hope it doesn't scare you. I don't know, Lord, what's going to happen this week. But you know, the reality is, I heard someone say one time, and I think it's true, you're either in the middle of a struggle, or you're about to go into one, or you're just coming out of one. Amen? I mean, that's just the way life is. And God's honest about our lives. i tell you something I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful that I'm not struggling with the same things those early Christians did. They were persecuted for their faith. They were chased out of town. They were spread out all across the known world because they were told, don't talk about this. But they took lemons and they made lemonade. If I'm, I'm going to move to a new town, I'm going to share Jesus with the people in that new town. They became missionaries by default, some of them. But God, we're just going to take the struggles and we're going to turn them around to victory. Friend, that's not just a little psychological game you play with yourself. That's reality. God turns struggle, turns what appears to be defeat, think of the cross, into amazing, overwhelming victory. It looked like God had been killed, but it turned into the salvation of every person who would ever trust in Him. That's pretty overwhelming victory, isn't it? Pretty big turnaround. You know what? Would you just dare to believe if God could do that, that He could take what you're dealing with and help you through it? If you trust in Him, He might take it away tomorrow. Sometimes He does that. I would ask Him for it if I were you. <laughs> God, I'm struggling with this physical illness. Would you take it away? Would you heal me tomorrow? Please, God, today. I'd ask Him for it. But if He says, no, I want you to wait. I want you to trust me. Would you trust him to get you through it? Can he do that? Yes, he can. But he says you're going to have to trust him.